T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. What do you think is going on, huh? What do you think is the big news? What is in control of this election cycle? What will decide this election? See, I don't think anything's decided yet. It's still in flux because we don't know the issue that will be driving voters to the polls or not. Elections are about turnout. They're not about who people like best, primarily. They're primarily about whose base is excited and shows up to vote, and whose base is confused and depressed. Here's the big news in my mind. Almost $10 trillion in losses for U.S. economy, GDP declining rapidly. Subtitle, extreme poverty is becoming a looming threat to the American public. Citing Federal Reserve data, CNBC reported yesterday that the steady decline in the New York Stock Exchange that commenced at the beginning of this year has annihilated over $9 trillion in investor wealth and is expected to continue, possibly already reaching the $10 trillion mark. Americans' holdings of corporate equities and mutual fund shares as demonstrated in the report, plunged from a high of $42 trillion in January down to $33 trillion as of June 30. But those are three months behind the times. The loss of stock wealth suffered to date, if sustained, will be a small but meaningful headwind to consumer spending and economic growth in coming months, says Mark Zandi of Moody's. Earlier this month, the stock market witnessed its worst day in over two years after inflation data crushed investors' expectations that moderating price pressures would compel the Federal Reserve to scale down its interest rate hike campaign. And that's where we are now. That's where we are now as everything turns sour. Jolly Ned's idea of getting reelected is to see how much he can trick you into thinking everything is fine. Until November 8th or 9th, whatever the election day is. 
he made he's looking to time it just to the day because the next day after the election he doesn't care if you realize that everything's off the cliff he's not interested in what you know after election day it's just right now that he's concerned it's only right now because all he cares about because he's a politician all he cares about is winning re-election and he'll lie to you and he'll trick you and deceive you and cover up and use cute language anything he has to do to make sure you think everything's fine when he knows it's not because all this money not coming into people's pockets from the stock market anymore you remember the boom the reason the state is liquid right now is because of two reasons one uncle joe sent six billion to jolly ned so he'd be able to get reelected. that's the purpose of the money it's got nothing to do with covid covid was the excuse that made it viable but they were planning to do something anyway it's just that covid made it easier for them to dump endless amounts of money without even caring what happened in the money they just dumped it dumped it into the state into the country purpose to make sure everybody wins election that's why they do stimulus it's about election rigging that's what it's for that's why they talk about stimulus all the time that's why they talk about infrastructure all the time they want to dump money into people's pockets so they do these cover-ups so you don't know what's going on and the cover-up is financially based i didn't actually plan on playing this but i do have some audio here that i have not edited i'll just drop a needle on it and see what we get but it's 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 really interesting this is a new york times report on uh, government fraud on on i'm sorry fraud against the government on the part of americans who were scamming the trillions of dollars thrown out there just thrown out there with an expectation that people would grab the money and run let me see if i'm at the right point here i'm sorry I, i'm doing this on the fly david this is your first time on the daily i actually first met you at the washington this is their podcast the new york times and they do they bring reporters on each day to talk about stories and this guy david is uh is investigating he has been investigating the what happened to the bailout money it's it's so fascinating what happened to the bailout money you know the trillions of dollars they just were giving away down overnight the government congress is looking for a way to provide financial help to businesses to people that were hurt by this and so there's a beginning of this outpouring of federal money that eventually came to five trillion dollars and they went five all kinds of different trillion dollars got dumped into the economy the purpose of that money the excuse was covid the purpose was so jolly ned and other failures like him could run around the state pretending that everything is fine but it's not just it's not just that money it's what that money did to the stock market stock market was propped up and that meant that all those rich folk in Fairfield County and everybody around the state too who's got 401ks and investments in the stock market 
that they were made whole, that that money would keep coming in. So that money now is dropping off a cliff. That means the tax dollars coming into Hartford have dropped off a cliff because that's where the big money was. Two places, free money from the federal government to buy elections, the COVID relief money, they called it, five, six billion dollars flowed into Connecticut. And then you got billions of dollars in tax receipts from the fat cats and their stock market investments. That's why times have looked good. And this is why voters have been confused. People have been confused. What? It seems like everything's fine in the state. Well, no, nothing's fine. This is your uncle, your rich uncle sends you money to get you through the rough patch. And you run around acting like you're God because you've got a few bucks to get through the rough patch. But the rough patch ends. You can see it ending. It's coming at you like a car crash. And the job of the Democrats is to run around and lie and make it seem like everything's fine until after November 9th. And then they don't care if you know the truth. But they're going to lie to you till then. Aid to governments, aid to hospitals, aid to feeding programs. But the programs where the sort of most notable frauds occurred were three that were aimed at very broad swaths of the general population. But the interesting thing about this uh, story they did today, the New York Times, is that is that the government didn't care what happened to the money. They just wanted it flowing. They just wanted it out there. It's a, it's amazing how irresponsible they were dumping money into people's pockets. They if you were if you had a business that was applying for the federal relief. A lot of people's businesses got tons of money from the federal government. And all you had to do was fill out an application. Didn't matter how fraudulent it was, they'd cut you a check for 10 grand. Bang, it's in your account. No check. Digital. Automatically goes into your account cuz they didn't want anything to ruffle feathers. 860-522-9842. We'll talk more about it coming up on WTIC. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. So in short, the good times have already ended and bad times are already here. And this campaign is a race between two teams. One team trying to get you to realize the truth and the other team trying to make sure you're oblivious to reality. The Republicans want you to see the truth. Democrats want you oblivious. And they've spent a generation's worth of wealth. I don't know how many trillion dollars it takes to buy a generation. But I think it's like generational wealth has been dumped into people's pockets with no purpose other than making sure that re-election goes smoothly this year. 860-522-9842. Victor in Canton. Hello, Victor. Hello. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying as far as what's the money being dumped in here and so forth. But that's nothing new. It's happened so many times in the tell past. Me, uh, tell me when it I happened th- before. 
throw money in to get help people get elected or prop them up. Make yes, them but we're right. talking magnitude here that's uh, unparalleled uh, in human but, history. But the bottom line is the important thing is to be proactive. This election is lost, okay? I've been saying that on, on your I know. Program. You love being negative, and it's a really easy thing to do to try to destroy now, people's hopes and please? dreams. Can, but it's so I, disgusting, Victor. You just spending months telling everybody everybody's going to lose. What does that accomplish? Why, why don't we spend time thinking about candidates for 2026 for governor so we can get, get rid of Mistich, who's going to probably run for governor? Come on. Who? What's, her, what's the lieutenant governor's name? Oh, come on. She can't get across the street. But I'm just saying we ought to think about the future, about candidates. The future is right now. There's an election. All you have to do is mobilize some people, Victor, instead of going around showing how smart you are because you can vandalize uh, public opinion with negativity. You have Tom Scott come in, who's got all the answers, but he won't go out there and get, get dirty. He won't go out there and what? Get dirty and run for office if he's got all the answers. He ran for office 30 years ago. He held. He was a state senator for 10 years. He's a political advisor and consultant. And so he's making he's, plenty of money in the field. No, so. not making plenty of money. He works. He works a job. Victor, anybody can throw stones, Victor. You are nothing but a vandal. That's all you are is a vandal. You just throw stones. It's so easy for you to sit there and act like everybody's an idiot except for you. It's just vandalism, just throwing rocks through windows. Somebody else has to come around and put them up, and you say, oh, windows. Who cares about glass? Here, look how easily it breaks. It's no way to be. Imagine the world you want to see and go out there and produce it. Make it. And encourage the people. If you're too lazy or too depressed, to do anything good yourself, at least smile at and encourage the people who are doing it for you. When they knock on the door, open the door and say, hi, do you want a a glass of something? You want a cookie? I just made some cookies. Be supportive of change. But if you feel negative in the middle of the fight, don't go out there and ruin the spirits of the fighters, the people who are trying to save you. At least have the decency to go crawl into bed and put on some stupid movie and, and just let it loop over and over again so you can put yourself into a coma. It's craziness, all this negativity. Accomplishes negative things. Is that what you want to do, is just hurt the people who are trying to help things? Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? What do you think it is? The guy you hung up on, you idiot. What do you want to say, Victor? I wanted to follow up. I mean, I called you to make some comments. I know. You called me to tell everybody what a moron they are to try to save the state. No, no, no. I'm just saying it's face reality. The fact is, four or five months ago, I was calling in, started calling in. Exactly. You've been negative forever. Listen, no. I say, where is Stefanowski? He had more presence during a pandemic at a Oh, man, Victor. Stefanowski spent spent $10 million of his own money to plaster plaster television. I don't hear anything on the radio about him today. What does that mean? You don't hear anything about him today. As he's, far as he's been, commercial, he's been campaigning or... for like a year. Well, maybe no, he doesn't he have any ads campaign. on the radio today. 
Oh, my Lord, Victor. Hi. Hopefully this isn't Victor. You're on the air. Go ahead. Um, hi, this is Steve. I'm calling from Springfield. Steve, thank you for not being Victor. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I do my best. <laughs> um, yeah, but but anyway, um, but, but but you know what I think is is the most fearful part about the elections and what's going on. Um, the, the 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 real group of people that have to be convinced is the people who are dependent on the government. And and unfortunately, I fear that what might happen is when the, when the people who are dependent on the government, when that bubble bursts and the government isn't able to take care of them anymore, that's where they're going to wake up. I mean, no, I, me, I hope but, I'm Well, wrong. the Democrats' plan is to, make, to break everything and to leave no choice but to go to the government asking for more. That's what they're doing right, right now. The Democrats have been working for 100 years to get to this moment where everything is teetering ready to collapse under the weight of the burden no, the of thing, dependency the is, that they've have, created. What's that? If we have like a stock market crash or other things and all of a sudden your money is like worthless, mm -hmm. I have a funny feeling, unfortunately, that this is what it might take to wake people up. Because the, you want to know something really weird? At the beginning of COVID, when all the businesses were shut down, I was in Springfield and I was talking to this guy. This is like three months into COVID with all the lockdowns. Oh, I don't see any difference in the way things are. And I'm thinking to myself, do you work? Does anybody in your family work? Do you know anybody who works? Now, that's what I'm thinking to myself. Well, that, that's pretty bizarre. But, you know, the whole range of, uh, of, of disassociated comprehension of reality is, is uh, out there. And, yep. and that's what we're trying to break through. That's why I don't like to give victors the airtime. Because anybody right. can moan and groan and talk about how nothing's going to change, especially when the world is filled with victors. So if you can get rid of the victors, you know, silence them, send them to their rooms without dinner or with dinner or whatever, then yeah. you have a chance to maybe make something happen. Yeah. But believe me, I'm always trying to uh, talk to people and convince people as much as I can of what's going on. But uh, the, the hardest people to try to win over are, are the happy people who are dependent on the government. Or, or they, or I, I, I don't know that they're the toughest, but they are tough. And, and that's certainly what the whole idea is, you know. The whole idea is yeah. to, to uh, make them so accustomed to that flow of cash that they will sell their souls. And they have. They've sold their souls. They've, they have sold America down the drain because that's the end of elections as meaningful ways of transferring power. That's how power is getting destroyed in this country, by the buying of votes that the Democrats engage in. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sad situation, but uh, it certainly is. Thank you so much for not being Victor again. Hi, who's this? You're on the air. Hi, this is Mike. Todd, thanks for taking the call. Um, listen, the thing about negative people, unfortunately, you know, I think everybody, what was me moment. It's part of the healing process, but then you got to move. When you Mike, sorry, you're breaking up something wicked. If you can hold on, we'll try to get a good connection and hear what you have to say. Because I, I can tell you want to pump people up a little bit, which is good. That's what we need. Anybody with a positive attitude about this election, it would be great to hear from you. 860, you sent me a text? All right. Am I supposed to read it on the air? Well, it's the it, you know to Victor. We haven't heard Bob on the air today, so I went back and looked roughly the commercial. Oh. So we've had a, Bob Stefanowski has bought one, two, three, four, at least six ads so far today. That's well. That's what that's his standard. That doesn't exist. Six is 
invisible to Victor. It's got to be seven. Then he'll ah, notice. So. Bob spots today. I love this. Six, <laughs> 628, 742-1206-127. We've got one coming at 410. Victor, tune in at 410. But don't call, please. Just listen to the spot. Or maybe call afterwards so you can talk about what a terrible spot it is. Why not do that? Victor, listen at 410 for Bob's spot and call us and tell us how bad it was. And he can't win because he ran that terrible ad. And I think he, Mr. Stefanowski was on yesterday with you for a little while. So He did. He was on the air, yes. But he wasn't on long enough. He was only on nine minutes. And if it's not ten minutes, you can't win. So it's like the over-under. Okay. <laughs> it's hopeless. Am I late? Do we need to go to the break? We're good? Okay. Stay with us. We'll take more phone calls coming up on WTIC. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Trust us, you don't want to ask Alexa what 10 to the power of 308 is, but you could ask her to play WTIC News Talk 1080. That's safe. Oh, yeah, Thursday afternoon. It's an exciting time of year. It's great when elections are going on and, and there's stuff to, to argue about. When we get focused, our energies get focused. Matt in Bristol. Hello, Matt. Hey, Todd. How you doing? So, yeah, um, for Victor, you know, not to take away from your advertising dollars, but if I was Bob, I wouldn't be advertising overly, overwhelmingly a lot on conservative talk radio either because he probably already has 90% of those people. Well, it's, again, it's about keeping people pumped up and motivated. So part of it is just oh, okay. having it out there so people feel the campaign, you know? Yeah, no, I, I get the point of that. But, uh, yeah, I think I think he is pumping ads out on, you know, 99.1 and some other stations. So he's out there. He's doing his thing. Oh, yeah. Well, wishing all the luck. Thank you, Matt. Good to hear from you. Jim in Wellington. What's up, Jim? Uh, pretty much the same thing about Stefanowski. Uh, for me, it's pretty simple. You know, what's he saying? 
That isn't common sense. And what is it we're all living under now that makes any sense when it terms, in terms of economics and taxes? To me, it's that simple. And, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, he lost. He didn't lose by much in the last election, and he didn't get a lot of help uh, structurally from the Republican Party. I mean, well, I know there is no him. Republican Party to help him for the most part. Well, well, I guess he, yeah, you made the point better than I. There's nothing there, so I, I'm certainly not going to criticize a guy who puts his own money up, then gets lambasted in the press. It, it's funny how they uh, characterized him when he ran the first time, but yet nobody says anything about uh, the current governor's. Uh, economic entanglements with some of the deals uh, he made. But going yes. forward and, trying to be, and being positive, I talk to a couple of people every day, people that actually work. And I, I live up here uh, near, near Yukon mm-hmm. about Stefanowski every day and say, hey, look, you've got to give this guy a look. That's what's awesome. He yeah, what's he saying? What's he saying doesn't make any sense. It's the same philosophy I had when Trump ran. You know, I'm, I, I didn't really care for his bombast, but it's the time we needed that bombast. And uh, if, if there was anybody, if there was anybody who tapped into what Americans feel about America, good, bad, or indifferent, we're not perfect here, but who, who is? It was Trump. And uh, certainly tiring. I, I would like to see the, uh, uh, Stefanowski. Maybe he could find something along those lines and just, and just pound it. And, and sad, sad to say for me, maybe he is, and I'm just not hearing it. Or I'm not reading it. They well, you know, it. sometimes you have elections where you don't actually have to make an argument. You just have to present people. You hold a mirror up so everybody can see the world. And that's what that that's why I've been talking about the economy and what's going on in the economy, because the the moment is coming where the momentum is shifting to where even the the people who are most oblivious and have the rose colored glasses on are going to be suffering. Not that I wish the suffering on anybody. But I know it's coming. We all know it's coming. And the, the, the gamble of the Democrats is that they can cover it up. And this is what Jolly Ned's trying to do. He's trying to trick you into thinking everything's great in the state. And somehow he did something to make that happen, which, of course, is utter nonsense. But uh, for people who aren't paying a lot of attention, uh, maybe that inspires comfort. I don't know. We'll talk more about this, but we have Kathy Flaherty here, who has been with us the last few weeks. And this is, uh, you know, this is related. She's with the Connecticut Legal Rights Project, and what Kathy does is she's the founder of it, as a matter of fact. And she fights for people to get good treatment, better treatment, and to navigate the bureaucracy of the mental health system of the state so they can get well and they cannot get crushed by the machinery that is supposed to make them well. Kathy, welcome back to WTIC. Thank you, Todd. And I need to correct one thing you just said. I am not the founder of Connecticut Legal Rights Oh, I'm sorry. That's quite okay. I appreciate um, the vote of confidence. But uh, CLRP was actually established in 1990 as the result of a settlement of a lawsuit that was brought against the Department of Mental Health by the Connecticut Okay, so you're just the uh, executive director. All righty. Correct. All righty. So... uh, I like our conversations because I like pointing at examples of how government does things uh, not so well most of the time. And I know that's not why you're here. You're here to uh, to highlight, I guess, what you do and and uh, and what systemic changes are needed. So uh, why don't we jump into that and why don't you pick up on the things that you're dying to say about about what needs to change and what people need to know about? 
Sure. Um, I think one of the things that that we are learning over the course of many years of doing this work is that, you know, people's path to recovery, whether it's from a mental health condition or a substance use disorder or some people who face challenges in both of those arenas, which is called co-occurring, is that people really need to find their own pathway to recovery, and that will be very individual for different people. Um, and whenever we try to do a model that kind of tries to go towards that one-size-fits-all um, and that everybody has to do something the same way, especially when the system is allowed to impose itself by force on people, that that tends not to work or to lead to long-term sustainable recovery. Tell people um, what you mean when you say when the system is allowed to force itself on people. Well, people may or may not be aware of this, but when somebody is uh, believed to pose a potential danger to themselves or to others, or if they're gravely disabled, which means they're unable to meet their basic needs, um, and have a mental health condition, people can be brought to a hospital for evaluation, um, and that it can involve, you know, police doing a welfare check or maybe a mobile crisis team going out to somebody's house. But they can have a person brought to a hospital emergency department for evaluation and held for a certain length of time. Um, the hospital staff, um, including the psychiatrist on staff, may choose to discharge that person, but they also may choose to hold that person for observation for the few days that is allowed by law. If the person indicates that they want to leave, um, the hospital may choose to let them go, um, or they may petition a, a probate court for authority to detain and hold that person longer under what's called a civil commitment. Does this dynamic create fear of getting involved with the system when people are suffering mental health episodes or in advance of that? Because if, if the power... It sounds like you get disempowered if you are admitting that you're dealing with an issue. I think it definitely can lead to that. I think there are some people whose first encounter with the system um, happens involuntarily, and that just really sets up a dynamic and a framework where the person perceives this system as, as you just put it, disempowering them. So it's the enemy. Um, it becomes an adversarial thing. It becomes adversarial, and the idea behind it is it's supposed to be um, creating a therapeutic alliance. It's supposed to, to be compassion-based, but it becomes a hostile force when it has the power to force you to do things when you're at your most vulnerable place that that you don't think are in your best interest correct that's horrifying how do uh how, do, how does connecticut compare with other states well in terms of go ahead we have laws that allow people to be uh committed to inpatient facilities every state has that that we are not alone in that that mm -hmm. is the way the system operates in the united states um one of the things we do not have um, in Connecticut is something that we refer to as involuntary outpatient commitment, which is something a lot of states do have, but several states like Connecticut don't because... That's a backup we, plan? 
it, well, it's how some people frame a backup plan, but what I will tell you is what it is, and, and this was something that was really taught to me by one of my colleagues who was a housing lawyer and didn't do mental health work at all, but what it would allow people to do is when you're at home in the community, but you are not uh, compliant with treatment, and most people, and we've had this discussion before, most people aren't compliant with kind of any recommended mental health, uh, medical treatment, you know, whether it's five days of uh, antibiotics or, mm-hmm. you know, what they sometimes... Yeah, people start to- self-medicating is what you're saying. It's not that they self-medicate, but, the you know, you're taking the antibiotics and they have side effects that make you feel terrible, so you don't finish the Z-Pack. <laughs> and that's only five days, but what you're doing when you don't finish a course of antibiotics is you are, you know, potentially creating drug-resistant bacteria, and it would be harder to treat next time around. But when it comes to psychiatric conditions where many of us were told by our psychiatrists that these were lifelong conditions that we'd have to take medications forever, Mm -hmm. that is something I was told. Um, It ended up not being true. But when you feel those adverse effects and you don't want to take it anymore, you can have that choice taken away from you in certain states in the country. And they're like, if you're not compliant, we'll have you brought to a hospital and we'll have you take a long-acting injectable form of this medication. Or we'll send somebody to your house, Mm -hmm. destroy the sanctuary of your home, and, like, watch you take your pills. We don't do that in Connecticut. Here, it's like if you're in a hospital... Mm-hmm. There, are, there are circumstances under which you can be forcibly medicated um, against your will. Um, that doesn't happen when you're in the community. It, it do, you do have that choice when you're living um, in the community as to whether or not you want to uh, go along with recommended treatment. I think that's one thing that people don't always remember is that any kind of medical treatment is only a recommendation from your physician and you as a patient have the right to ask questions about what are the potential benefits of treatment what are the potential risks of treatment what are the risks and benefits of not treatment um, what other alternatives are they that's what's called informed consent but mo- and I think most doctors in most medical fields realize that all you can do is make a recommendation to a patient, but the patient retains autonomy and retains the ability to make decisions about whether or not they want to go along with that recommendation. Um, it's only in psychiatry yes. where they can involve the law to impose that choice on you or ask for a court to appoint a substitute decision maker if they don't like the decision you're making. All right, let's flesh that out a little bit when we continue. We're talking with Kathy Flaherty. and. She is the executive director of the Connecticut Legal Rights Project, advocating for people who are sucked into the system, the mental health system. And the rules are different, and the, all the implications are different. So I, I want to learn more about this, because I, I know some people are thinking, well, there's times when you have to, the system has to tell people who are suffering mental health problems. And, and, and that's what I want to discuss. When we continue, stay with us on WTIC. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080.
Continuing with Kathy Flaherty on WTIC from the Connecticut Legal Rights Project. So Kathy was talking about how hard it is being inside the mental health system in the state when the state has the power sometimes under circumstances, certain circumstances, to hold you against your will and to force medicate you and stuff like that. But, Kathy, a lot of people are thinking, well, we need the state to do that because there are a lot of people who might be dangerous to themselves or others. Um, that's that's what the law says. And, I, and it's not just the state. Um, people should know that um, privately owned and privately operated facilities uh, can use the same law. So it's it, so they've not, got as much authority as uh, state facilities. Yeah, because there are laws that apply to um, facilities as defined by the law, which includes the state operated and also, you know, the private hospitals that okay. have psychiatric units. So what's the answer to that, though? How do you reconcile the rights of the person versus the rights of the society? Well, this is the uh, question that is continually um, a search. And, and what I would challenge people to think of when they're saying, well, why, why shouldn't we do this? There is a theory behind um, allowing the state as the state, not like literally just Connecticut, but it's called the, the um, you know, either police power, or, but also the when they're acting parents patriae, the power of the parent, um, to do something for, some, for the person's good. You know, whether they think that it's because the person is gravely disabled or they do think they're a danger to self or danger to others. But the question that I have is, does this forced hospitalization, does this forced administration of medication or uh, electroconvulsive therapy, um, does it actually produce the outcomes that you claim as the justification for why you're taking the action you you're taking. Well, let me ask a question one step deeper than that, which is, is the system even interested in having those kinds of conversations? Is it responsive to those kinds of questions? Because one of the problems with government is it do, it's not market driven. So they make decisions that are bad decisions for uh, a month, a year, a decade, a hundred years. And sometimes they just keep going because that's where the momentum is. I think what's very interesting when you talk about the mental health system writ large is that the status quo of the system is for it to continue to do what it's always done. Um, and that's whether you're dealing with government hospitals, whether you're dealing with private hospitals. Um, the reason the dynamic, I think, has changed somewhat in private hospitals is it comes down to as often things do, it comes down to payment. Um, and can you continue to do this? Uh, when insurance companies don't pay for things, hospitalizations tend to be shorter. Wait, because, so what happens with the force, the idea of forcing people to stay in the hospital if they don't have coverage? Do, do they not force they, them to stay? They tend to still, they may have an order that gives them authority to continue to hold them. But you get discharged. I, I hearken back to my original civil commitment. And the uh, hospital where I was held had legal authority to hold me for up to six months. Now, is that because you could pay for it or because somebody else was going to pay for it? 
No. Well, they, they got the order because the judge determined, um, I believe it was based on danger to self because they claim I made a threat to jump off the roof of the law school library, um, which I had said jokingly and sarcastically. And I think one of the things the system teaches you is you get very careful about who you make jokes with yeah. um, and, and who, you, who, who you have honest conversations with. Um, we have just a minute could, left, though, so Yeah, the bottom on. line is, is that if somebody's paying for it, um, the detentions continue to happen. What, you have to figure out different motivations for the system and different drivers for the system. And I think when people listen to what people say helps them most, Mm-hmm. You mentioned it yourself. It's the compassion. It's the caring. It's the building honest connections, yes. not coerciveness. But that's got to be trust-based, and, and that means you can't be dealing with a crude, hostile force, which government often, uh, even if it doesn't desire to, puts itself portrays itself that way. I think there are genuine connections that are always built with providers um, in any system, but they are. It sometimes the system writ large makes that more difficult to happen. Connecticut Legal Rights Project, Kathy Flaherty. How do people reach you, Kathy? Um, our website is www.clrp.org. For intake, people can call eight seven seven four zero two 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 nine nine. What does that mean, intake? Intake. Well, as you, as we've discussed, we're a legal aid organization, so we have limited resources, but. Um, if people think that they have a situation going on that we might be able to help them with, mm-hmm. the first thing we ask them to do is give us a call. And if they qualify for our services, um, we will ask them some additional questions. And we as a staff meet weekly to decide which cases we have the capacity to take. Got it. All right, Kathy Flaherty, thank you. We'll talk to you again next week. Okay. Always interesting to get inside of government and learn about how it works and specific cases because it tends to confirm itself everywhere it leaves the same footprint all right we're going to if you have comments on this i'd love to hear them we're also going to talk about the economy and the political conversation we're having earlier in the show 860-522-9842 t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.